you get an idea of a society by how that society treats its elderly and its children. On this episode of Data Defender, I will show you how to make a difference in protecting yourself and those that are the most vulnerable. Hello, my name is Renee Jones, owner of Defense In Depth. Welcome to Data Defender, where our mission is to drive growth and revenue by reducing risks and vulnerabilities in your environment and implementing cybersecurity best practices. The first thing I'd like to talk to you about today is physical security and how physical security is a part of cybersecurity best practices. Let's think about everyday data defenders who are business owners in a plaza or a small mall. Those data defenders, those everyday data defenders, are the people in the community who can spot patterns. They know their customers. They know their environment. And it is up to those everyday data defenders to alert law enforcement, to alert other business owners in the community of a breach. Now, I know it's probably not the best thing that a business owner wants to do is to let people know that their information and data has been breached. But remember, bad actors test a company first. They may test a small business. And if you don't say anything, they're going to continue with their attacks. So small business owners who are in a small mall or who are together in some way need to communicate when they see something that's just a little bit off so that they can alert other business owners about a potential breach. As a small business owner, you get up at 4 or 5 a.m. and quite possibly work until 10 p.m. that night. Well, you don't want anyone to come in and steal your data and assets and the hard work that you've put in. And so we're going to talk about something called a card skimming device. And those devices are put on ATMs. They're put on kiosks where customers are using that to get a product. You want to make your customers and yourself aware of these card skimming products. And the bad actor knows that we're busy. And so we will take our card and just swipe. And because these devices look so similar to the actual device, there they have an in into your personally identifiable information. The magnetic strip on the back of your card is transmitting information to the bad actor so they can access that information and there you are the victim of identity theft. And we all know if you've been a victim of identity theft, as I have, the burden of proof is on you to prove that you did not make that purchase. If you're not checking your card data weekly or daily, or you don't have a notification to alert you if a suspicious activity has been performed on your card, then you may not know for a month or so that that activity has occurred. And some card data issuers have a limit on the time that you can claim that that purchase was not yours. So look at these card skimming devices, Train yourself and your customers on watching for these devices and periodically go to your ATMs or if you have kiosks in your business and make sure that no one has installed these devices. Again, 
You don't want your hard work to just be stolen. Another part of physical security within cybersecurity is our familiar see something, say something. And this is where you can involve law enforcement in the protection against domestic terrorism. We have everyday data defenders that use the same routine, the same route, and unfortunately they're not being touted as one of the best end-line defenses that we have. Let's look at our everyday defenders, bus drivers. Bus drivers follow the same route, the same time, so they are the best to know a change in pattern, that gut feeling, that intuition, that something's just not right. And they are the ones who can contact law enforcement and say, I've noticed this change. I've never seen this before in the route that I am taking and the time that I am taking. Maybe you can investigate it. If it's nothing, great. But if it's something, that first line defender has just protected us. Another first line defender is the postal worker. Same route, same time. They also have the first inkling that a household size or deliveries have changed. They're the first ones to notice this. They may notice an increase in packaging. They may notice an increase in size. They may notice that a household now has three or four different last names. The postal worker, this first line data defender, can be an asset to law enforcement against domestic terrorism because they have information first before law enforcement is alerted that there is a change in a community, a change in a household. This is a very valuable piece of information to protect all of us. Another everyday data defender is the delivery person. The delivery person usually has the same community, the same route. Just like a bus driver, they can see changes in patterns. And what may seem like something is wrong, something is off, oftentimes the best defense everyday data defenders have is intuition. All the cameras in the world, all the street cameras that we have installed would take time to analyze that information, but nothing beats human intuition. So a bus driver, postal worker, delivery person is oftentimes the first defense against domestic terrorism and the first defense in physical security in protecting all of us. Another everyday data defender is the end user, which is all of us. When you're working at your workstation, if you get up from your seat, control, alt, delete. This locks your screen so that anyone passing by cannot see what you have been working on. I can't tell you the number of times in a work environment where I've passed workstations that were open to the last thing the person worked on. So you're able to see financial data. You're able to see procurement data. You're able to see what that person was last working on. And if there was personally identifiable information on that screen, then anyone passing by that workstation, someone visiting, someone who doesn't belong in your department that doesn't have a need to know that information, contractors, other employees. So remember the mantra, get up from your seat, Control, Alt, Delete. 
The second thing I'd like to talk to you about, which we mentioned before, is being an everyday data defender for our most vulnerable. I'd like to talk about school age identity theft, and that can occur from pre-K all the way to high school when the student is applying for financial aid and finds out that they're $20,000 in debt and they have no idea why. School age identity theft can occur at a very young age because who's monitoring an eight-year-old's credit report? An eight-year-old's credit information can be used, can be sold, can be transferred many, many times before the child or that parent is aware that that identity has been stolen. There is no way to track back if it was used, transferred, or sold many times to the person who actually stole the data. And so now it is up to the 18-year-old who has applied for financial aid, is waiting for that aid to enter college. It is now up to them to prove they were not the ones who ran up $20,000 on their credit card. Another way bad actors can access a child's information is through social media. Children willingly give up their name, their date of birth, where they live, their friends' names. Bad actors know that this is a wealth of information to use for identity theft. And they know that children are just interested in having fun and sharing information. And they use this in order to gain that information and not have to work too hard at it. So social media, make sure your child your students know that they should not willingly give information that can identify them to a stranger, which oftentimes can be a malicious actor. School age identity theft can also occur right in the place where you think is the safest, the school. You can have someone with access to all the information of the student body. Think about that. Someone who has access to every student in that school is an insider threat. They can sell this information, transfer this information, or use this information for identity theft. Now I know we always want to think the best of our school, of our social media, of people who take care of our children, coaches, sports teams, that's fine, but you need to trust but verify that your child or student's information is secure and it is their own and that it is not shared for a malicious actor to take advantage of it. Because remember, a child who is not watching their credit report, a four-year-old or a 10-year-old, will not know that their information has been sold transferred or used possibly until they apply for financial aid, which is at the age of 17 and 18. You will not know what happened when that data was transferred, sold, or used, and the burden of proof is on that child to get their identity back. I mentioned that you don't want to think about the school or a sports team using your child's information maliciously. Well, let me add another group, the family. You may have a child who is four, five, six, 
and have a family member issue a credit card in their name and their date of birth. It's horrible and you don't want to think that, but it happens. And so protecting your child's information from whoever would use that information maliciously is your job as an everyday data defender. And finally, I'd like to speak to you about nursing homes or elder care facilities. This is another vulnerable population, either due to physical abilities, mental abilities, or they've just worked all of their lives and they just want to retire and they're not paying attention to those things that we pay attention to, like identity theft. So it is up to us, everyday data defenders, to protect their personally identifiable information. I particularly want to speak to elder care facility owners and managers. You have the responsibility of monitoring your staff. These are the people who have access to elder information. This population is vulnerable to insider threat. And so as an owner, as a manager, your responsibility is to look at the purpose of access for data, the purpose for someone to access medical data, the purpose for someone to access an elder's financial data. Once you've seen the purpose and you have that established, you must also establish the access rights. Who has access to that information? Does everyone need access to all of that information? No, just the person who has the responsibility of transmitting that information for financial reasons. You also want to make sure that you are actively monitoring the information, whether it's by log or whether it's by an accounting of what transactions the person who has access to that information has performed. You want to keep a close eye on insider threat because you are the only one who can. The elder or the person who is sick cannot. So it is your responsibility to make sure that the people you hire have access for a particular purpose. They are monitored. And if that access is no longer needed, you will disable that access immediately. You don't want someone who is no longer at the facility with the same access and can get in and transmit data and perform identity theft. Remove that access immediately and monitor the information for our most vulnerable population, the elderly. I have an example of an elder scam. Now, it didn't happen in a nursing home, but my grandmother had a home attendant, and we still don't know what really happened, but we are thinking that this is the way it happened. So my mother gets a call that my son has been arrested, and he's in jail in New Jersey. And if we don't get this person $1,000, he will have to tell them to put my son in general population. Now, my immediate intuition, remember we talked about intuition and gut feeling was, something's not right. That doesn't make sense. But do I risk that? Do I risk just hanging up the phone and there's that sinking feeling that maybe something is wrong? Well, that's what a bad actor does. 
They feed on your emotion, the person most dear to you. So now my grandmother is concerned about her great grandson. My mother is concerned about her grandson. I am concerned about my son. And so we start calling each other. Well, now we can laugh, but we couldn't get a hold of my son because he was sleeping and the ringer was off. So now 30 minutes has gone by. Added to that, we can't locate my son. So now my mother, his grandmother, is getting the money together because she doesn't know what's going on and she doesn't care. She just wants to hear from her grandson. Finally, my son calls and says, what is going on? I've got 40 texts, I've got 10 phone calls. What is going on? So we tell him what is going on and he says, I'm in bed asleep. Luckily, he called my mother on her cell phone. At the same time, she's talking to the scammer on her home phone. She realizes her grandson is okay and my son says he has never heard such language come out of his grandmother's mouth. That was the end of it. But suppose, just suppose, you, someone couldn't get a hold of their son or grandson and they paid the money and I'm sure it's happened because we later learned that it was called the grandparent scam. Maybe there was a home attendant, an insider threat, who saw my grandmother's altar of her great-grandson because as soon as you walked in the door, you saw his pictures, his baby booties, everything. So this person probably knew if we wanna get this person's money, the best way to get it is to get at her great-grandson. And so it worked for a little while. The other funny thing to this story is then my son proceeds to chide all of us and tell us how in the world could he get to New Jersey in two hours, fight over a girl, which was the reason the scammer gave, because he would never do that. And if we knew him, we wouldn't think that. And how in the world could this all happen? So we all had a good laugh. But in many cases, it's not a good laugh. And so as everyday defenders, we have to be mindful of our most vulnerable, our elderly and our children. What story do you have about identity theft? Please post it so that we can all learn from each other. Just as the store owners are going to share information, we are also going to share information and become the best everyday data defenders. Well, that's all we have for today's episode. If you have any questions, you can find me on social media at Renee Jones or hashtag data defender. Please share your stories. Until next time.